The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Well, we're going to maybe conclude our, our series on prayer today. And we've had some songs about prayer. And we, uh, we sang a song just a moment ago that says, Come as you are. And I like that song. I like this song, I Surrender, that we just sang, that we come before the Lord and, and we come just as we are. And this morning, we're going to look at, at David, and we're going to think about David's life, and we're going to see something in the life of David, uh, I think, about prayer and about coming to the Lord just as we are. And uh, in Second Samuel, starting down in verse, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting there in verse 1, uh, after the king was settled in his palace, the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies. We'll talk about what that means in just a minute. Uh, those enemies around him, and he said to Nathan, the prophet, Here I am, I'm living in a palace of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. You know, this is uh, when the ark of the covenant was moving with Israelites. They had a, uh, a tent there that the ark of covenant was kept in. It was a, uh, represented the presence of God to Israel. And David is sitting here, he says, I'm living in a palace of cedar and God's presence or the ark of God remains in the tent. And Nathan replied to the king, David, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. And that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. And whenever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from a pasture and from following the flock, to be a ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you every, everywhere you've gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. And now I'll make you a great name, a great nation, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since I have appointed leaders over my people Israel. And I'll also give you rest from your enemies. The Lord declares that you, the Lord himself, will establish a house for you. And when your days are over and you rest and with your fathers, I will raise up from your offspring a successor for you. And I will establish his kingdom. And he is the one who will build a house for my name. Now remember, this is Nathan, and he's, he's to tell David this. So I'm going to raise up a, someone that's going to uh, succeed you, and he's going to build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And it will be his father, and it will be my, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And when he does wrong, I'll punish him with the rod of men and with the floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. So he removed Saul as king before David was king. 
Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, and your throne will establish, will be established forever. So Nathan reported this to David, uh, the words of this entire revelation. That's verse 17. Now let's continue in verse 18. So Nathan's gone to David. He said, this is what the Lord has said. After you desire to build a temple, the Lord has told me these words. Nathan told him. Verse 18, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is your servant unusual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? Let me read that again. Is this your usual way of dealing with men, O sovereign Lord? What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is none like you and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out and redeemed as a people for himself and made a name for himself, performed great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people over Israel and as your very own forever. And you, O Lord have become their God. Now, if you're reading along in your scripture, you can go on and, and finish out David's prayer there. That's where we're going to stop this morning. Uh, Fortune magazine argues that the most accomplished people in a task, this is what Fortune magazine says, need around 10 years of hard work to become a world-class whatever, whatever they're doing, uh, takes about 10, 10 years. That pattern is so well established that researchers call it the 10-year rule. So you start a new job and, and it takes about 10 years of hard work before you uh, are world class, before you're the best that you can be at that. Uh, the 10-year uh, rule, that's kind of a rough estimate and uh, most researchers say that's a minimum time, not an average time. So for many it's more than that. But a minimum of 10 years, and many few, uh, fields like music or, or uh, uh, um, writing and different things like that, it takes even 20 to 30 years before hitting their top. And there are some examples here in this study uh, that kind of shows that 10-year that rule. Uh, track and field uh, record breakers, they're, they're average 25 years old. Most of those start in junior high time frame of high school. Major League Baseball uh, maps that for players to be at their very top of their game is usually when they're about 27 years old. Uh, chemist, this jumps on up. It says their average uh, or their, their top of their line is usually when they're about 35 years old. Economist is about 36 years old. Great inventions usually came 39 years after uh, that inventor began trying to invent something. The great inventions are average those people about 39 years old. Economists, they're even getting older, takes about 56 years for them to 
to be on the top of their game, and a philosopher, 64 years. So uh, that kind of gives you an idea of, of where people are and how they reach their, their best potential. And here we have King David. King David's an, an older man now. The first time we see King David, y'all remember what he's doing? He's out in a, 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 a flock of, of sheep, and he's talking, and, and his brothers have gone off to war, and he is going to take them some cheese and crackers to eat, and he gets over there, and there's a Goliath out there, and he's defiling the armies of God, and, and David is just a teenager. He's just a young boy, and we begin to see him in that, that very beginning as that young boy, but at this point in David's life, he's... He's fought all of these uh, wars. He's defeated all of these people that are uh, surrounding enemies. That's what we just read about. He, he brought some, some genuine stability to Israel as he's been king. Peace was at an all-time high. He was, uh, he was at a, a point in his life where there was no battles. Everything was quiet on the home front. Uh, all the nations around Israel were leaving them alone. They wasn't messing with them anymore. King David was there. He was on the throne at that time, David's sitting back, he's thinking about what he can do for God, and that's when he says, hey, I think I'm going to build God a temple. That's the story we just read, and he, he deemed that the, the ark of God needed somewhere to, to be stationed, and somewhere to be put. So David comes, and he, uh, he's thinking about this moving around box that's been the ark of God, and he, he, he says, I want to build God a temple. Now, I want to stop here just for a second. You know, if we think about this, all the things of David's life, you may or may not know all that David has done, but David, for the most part, the Bible says he was a man after God's very own heart. He sinned, he fell, but, but he was a man after God's own heart. He had gone to battle with the Philistines, and when Saul was the king, he served Saul as a mighty warrior, and then he became king. He was a mighty warrior all of his life. He had done all of these things. If you notice the first words that uh, Nathan said to uh, David, he said, Hey, David, go ahead and do whatever you desire because God is with you. He's always been with you. So David says, Well, here's what I want to do. I want to build a, a temple for God. And, and, and for us today, we would say, Man, that's, that's so fitting. But you know what God said, David? It's not for you to do. You know why God said that if you study this? God said, You've got too much blood on your hands, David. You, you've killed... Too many people, you've been in too many battles. We can sit here today and say, why in the world would God say that? Well, it wasn't God's desire for David to be the one that built him a place, of, that built him a temple. He said, I have someone that's going to follow you, and they're going to build me a temple. And that's what happened. That was Solomon. He built this temple of God. But I want you to think about a few things about coming as you are before God. And sometimes we come before God, and we have a list of things that we say, God, look at all that I have done for you, and because all that I have done for you, I want you to do these things for me. David didn't do that, but he could have, couldn't he? He could have said, God, I've been in these battles. I served Saul. I've done everything you've ever wanted me to do. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to allow me to do these things. God said, it's not for you to do these things. What I want you to see is, is David came before God. He he was stripped of all his pretension. He was stripped of all of his accomplishments. And he just came before God just as he was. Now, I want to say this about prayer. If we go over and we look in Chronicles, and I can't remember, I think I put it in the PowerPoint this morning, but if we look at Chronicles, we can read that the Bible says David found this prayer. He found this desire within his heart. 
to serve the Lord. What I want to say about prayer this morning, folks, if you'll become committed to prayer, if you'll come to that point of saying, I'm going to be a prayer warrior for God, I don't even know what to pray for, God will put a prayer in your heart. God will, God will say, here's something you need to be praying for. It may not have nothing to do with your family. It may have nothing to do with your circumstances. But God may say, because we're in tune with Him, God will place a prayer within our heart for someone, for some family, for some need. God will direct our prayers. The Bible says over in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. It will say words and groanings that we can't understand. If we're in step with God and we're in a, a regular prayer life with God, you'll be amazed at what the Holy Spirit will open your mind up to pray for. That's what we find in David. So as we think about David's life, we see David, he's in his prime. He comes before God. He doesn't give him a whole list of things that he's done for him. He comes before him and he, he begins to pray to God and God accepts his prayer. And here's the things he prayed about. And, and what I want us to see are three different things of what kind of prayer that David prayed, what kind of relationship David had with the Lord and really think about our relationship with God and how we pray. Now this kind of goes back to when we talked about the Lord's Prayer. The first thing David prayed, he praised the Lord for his greatness. Now I want you to see something right off the bat. In 2 Samuel seven eighteen, when David begins to pray, it says this, King David went and sat before the Lord. I want you to think about that just a minute. Now, Realize this, during King David time, the, the presence of the Lord was the Ark of the Covenant. I think he went before the Ark of the Covenant and he sat in the presence of the Lord. This morning, we're sitting in the presence of the Lord, amen? The, the Holy Spirit of God is, is with us and dwelling in us if we're born-again Christians. How often do you and me just sit in the presence of the Lord? I thought about putting a chair up here this morning and just sitting. I bet you, if I sat one minute, half everybody in here would be going, my goodness, we're never going to get out here. Because we're a society that don't sit around, do we? I mean, we're always doing something. We're always on the move. Even in our prayer life, too often, I think we stop, we throw up a prayer, and we say, okay, God, I'm praying for this, this, and this, and, and I'm moving on. But you know, folks, sometimes we need to sit in the presence of God. We just need to be still. Boy, I just thought about that scripture where, who was it on the mountain and, and the thunder came by and the winds came by and the lightnings came by and God wasn't in anything and, and all of a sudden he heard God in that still, small voice. You know, if we're moving around, if we're always on the go, how are we going to stop and hear God in that still, small voice? I want to encourage you in your prayer time, sometimes don't just drop to your knees and, and pray to the Lord immediately, but spend some time in the presence of the Lord and listening. So King David, he went and he sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far now? Now remember, he's just heard what Nathan had to say and all the promises that Nathan had for him. Jimmy Carter, in 2002, he was a former president. For y'all that may not know that, I, I'm learning week after week. My illustrations are getting older and older, and, and some of y'all are getting younger and younger. And uh, 
most of y'all are not getting younger and younger. You're moving right along with me. But uh, Jimmy Carter, he won the, in 2002, he won a Nobel Peace Prize. He lives in Plains, Georgia, a population of about 600 people. When he won the Nobel Peace Prize, people rushed there to Plains, Georgia, to interview the former president. Now, he wasn't president at the time. He was one of 150 candidates for that prize, the Nobel Peace Prize. There's only two other presidents ever won it, Theodore Roosevelt in 1906, Woodrow Wilson in 1919. But Carter was the only former president to win this. Y'all may remember this. It was on the news. Uh, at a press conference for reporters uh, in that little small town, they had all congregated there to congratulate, congratulate and interview uh, he won, incidentally, $1 million for, for that. That's the grand prize for the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, and this is what he said about this. Uh, and, and in David's prayer, we're, we're talking about David's praising the Lord for his greatness. This is what uh, former President Jimmy Carter said. He said, after this crowd leaves, I'll be riding my bicycle back down these same streets. I didn't change my life when I became a senator or a governor or a president or defeated a candidate for re-election. And I don't feel like this will change my life either. My roots are too deep here to be changed, and I'm too old. Now, I, I just want you to think about what Jimmy Carter was saying, and I want you to think about what David is saying. Once David was by himself, he bowed down in his heart, his knees before God at his finest hour, David didn't see himself as some mighty king. David didn't see himself as some mighty warrior. David simply saw himself first and foremost as God's servant. Folks, when we pray, we need to praise God for his greatness, but we need to see ourselves of who we are. We're just a servant of God. That's all all of us are. You don't need to look at your Sunday school teacher or your pastor or your music leader or, or anyone else and say, oh, or, or even David and say, oh, he must have had some kind of uh, special assignment from God. He must have been someone that, that was up on a shelf. David just realized he was, he was just God's servant. And folks, we can be in the same place as David was, just God's servants. David was formerly a, a shepherd of sheep. He was... Uh, just in an obscure position. He was a, a lowly person. He was an ordinary shepherd boy who, who was tracking sheep, who was numbering sheep. He was keeping up with sheep to ruling men. That's what verse 8 said. God said, I took you from the pasture, from following a flock, to be a ruler of all of my people, Israel. Think about that movement, folks. I want you to think about, I want you to think about who you are in Christ. David, just a a follower of sheep to the ruler over God's people. David was a shepherd. He was a farmhand. He was a breeder. There was nothing special, spectacular, anything about David. Not his job, not who he was. He, he was just a, a shepherd guy. He was just a farmhand. He was an extraordinary and deserving king in the eyes of the world. Man, when people looked at David, they said, this guy... Go read. We've been reading on Wednesday nights about... We've been read, we're still in Samuel, matter of fact, right now. We're still in the second chapter of Samuel, uh, the second book of Samuel. But, but for the world, they saw David as something. I think this morning, if we looked around here and we said, what do you think about David? Man, we might describe him as, 
as something great. But when David looked at himself, he saw himself as an ordinary, dispensable servant of God. So in his prayer, he recognized the greatness of God. Listen to what he prayed. He gave God all the glory. He said, your servant, nine times that we just read. Did y'all catch that? We kept, he kept saying, your servant, your servant, your servant. Nine times he claims himself to be God's servant. Thirteen times throughout his life, that's 1 Samuel 3 through 10, 2 Samuel 24, 10, the Bible describes him as a servant of God. More than any other person in the Bible, David is described as a servant of God. The highest accolade God can give anyone is call him his servant. There's three people in the Bible that stand out, David, Moses, and Job. Nineteen times, David is referred to as my servant or David my servant. My servant David or David. Nineteen different times, that's how David is referred to. David was an honored servant of God. He was honored to be a servant of God. Now, I want to ask you something. We're talking about being all that we can be through prayer. We're talking about God using us. I want to ask you this. How honored are you to be a servant of God? How honored are you if someone says, "Hey, we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a meal tomorrow. We're going to have some desserts tomorrow." Uh, Peggy Watson passed away. I hope that y'all knew that. I don't know if you did or not, but she she passed away uh, Friday morning. Is that no Saturday morning? Friday night, I think. It doesn't matter. Friday night. They're going to have her funeral Tuesday at at noon. Is visitation at 2 o'clock is the funeral. We're going to serve desserts to the family. The Methodist Church is going to serve some sandwiches and different things. How honored are you when someone calls and says, hey, we need you to do something. Hey, we're going to, we have a, a family community. We're going to feed them a meal. Do you feel honored by that? Or do you go, boy, I've got a thousand things I need to be doing i got so many other things I need to be doing. Listen to this. David was an honored servant of God. He was honored when God said, David, I need you to go and fight this battle. David, I need you to go and do these things. David, I desire that you would do this. David was an honored servant of God. Nineteen times he's referred to as my servant David or David, my servant. When we humble ourselves before God, when we become a humble servant of God, folks, we need to understand God will elevate us. He'll lift us up. If we're saying, I want to be all I can be for God, how do I get there? Recognize who you are. Come before God just as you are. Humble yourselves before God, and He'll lift you up. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's an amen this morning. And as David prayed, he recognized the greatness of God. The second time, David recognized the Lord and the grace of his God. Listen to this in, in 2 Samuel seven fifteen and 16. But my love will never be taken from you. This is God talking to David. My love will never be taken away from you as I look towards, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And in, then in verse uh, 19, and as if it were not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. This is, is this the way you usually deal with a man 
O sovereign Lord. David came before God. He recognized his greatness. He humbled himself before God. He said, is this the way you deal with men? I read a story about a preacher I may have told you before. His wife uh, was cleaning house, and he was there helping her, and he came across a a box. He didn't recognize what it was. He he went to look at it, and his wife said, leave that alone. That's mine. It's personal. So one day uh, she was out, and the curiosity got the best of him. You know, he had to see what was in there. He went and opened it, and in the box he found three eggs, $2,000. When his wife came home, he said, I've got to admit to you, I, I opened the box to see what was in it. I couldn't stand it. He said, what does all that mean? She said, well, I, I'll tell you, every time you preached a bad sermon, I put an egg in the box. He interrupted and said, well, in 20 years, only three bad sermons, that's not too bad. She said, wait a minute. Every time I got a dozen eggs, I sold them for a dollar. So, uh, Now listen. Sometimes we can put our thumbs in our collar, in our, under our arms and we can say, look at all I've done for God. Man, I, I've taught Sunday school for 30 years. Let somebody else do it. I, I've, I've served on the building committee for 10 years. I've done my time. Isn't that the way we think? But God, that David came before God and he said, may I be humble before you, God. Who am I, God, that you would desire so much to use me? You realize David wasn't the first choice? David wasn't God's first choice as, as the, 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 the seed to carry, God, to carry God's line on. Who was it? It was Saul. If you don't believe that, look at the, what we just read. He said, I removed this from Saul, and I gave it to you. Why did he do that? If we go and study, Saul did everything according to Saul. Saul built himself up. Saul put himself on a, on a ladder. Saul looked around and said, hey, this is all about me. He, he forsook God. He disobeyed God. He did all of these things against God. Foolish disobedience. God pulled the thing of blessings away from Saul. Folks, today, too many people think, boy, if I'm a, if I'm a Christian and everything's going to be rosy, everything's going to be great, when something happens, they oh, I don't know why this is happening to me. I'm always, I'm trying to be a good person, I'm trying to live a good life. And so many times those people are acting disobedient to God. And they simply say, why would God punish me this way? Why would I go through these trials this way? Look at what happened to Saul. As Saul was disobedient to God, there was a dynasty ahead for Saul. But because of his disobedience, he lost it all. Folks, we need to realize the Bible tells us this. God deals with us as his children, as an earthly father would deal with his children. He rebukes us. He punishes us. And he even says, what kind of children would you be? If God didn't punish you, you'd be an illegitimate child. So folks, sometimes we need to recognize the greatness of God, but we need to realize the grace of God. As David come before God, he said, you know, who am I, God? Who, who am I? I'm just, a, I'm just a lowly servant of yours that you would bless me in this fashion. David's king, kingship, it was, a, it was a dynasty. But David always recognized it was only through the grace of God. In 2 Samuel 5, 12... This is what David recognized about, about who he was as a king. 
God exalted him over the king of all of Israel. Here's what David said. For the sake of God's people, Israel, have I been made king. He recognized that. Humbly before God, he recognized only by the grace of God that we get where we're going. Here's the last thing, and I'll be finished. After David recognized the greatness of God, he recognized uh, the, 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 the humbleness of God and who he was in God. He praised God for his goodness. In verse 23, And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth, that God went out to redeem as a people for himself, to make a name for himself, to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their God from before your people whom you deemed from Egypt. Verse 24 says, You have established your people Israel as your very own forever. And, O oh Lord, you have become their God. Folks, sometimes I think me and probably some of you, we forget about God's goodness, don't we? We just forget it. I tell you what, with all this rain we've had, it's, it's, hard, it's harder to remember God's goodness sometimes, isn't it? Boy, a few years ago, every Sunday I stood in this pulpit, and every Wednesday we stood back there, and we just prayed that God would give us rain. Oh, we wanted rain so bad. We just, God, we just need rain. Our lakes are dry, our pools are dry, our grass is dead. And I stand behind the same pulpit and say, Oh, God, please don't give us no more rain. You know, Aren't we fickle? Are, are we fickle before God? Instead of saying, God, you are good. I mean, just, God, it doesn't matter. You're good. You're always good. And we forget, like an 80-year-old couple having problems remembering, and they decided they needed to go to the doctor and get checked out and uh, make sure there wasn't nothing wrong with their minds. They arrived at the doctor. They explained to the doctor, here are our problems. We having trouble remembering things, and he checked a couple out, and the doctor told them they were, they were physically okay, but they might want to start writing some things down to, to help them remember things. And the couple thanked the doctor. He left there, and later that night they were watching TV, and the old man got up from his chair and asked his wife, uh, uh, you want me to get you something? And she said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the kitchen. She said, will you get me a bowl of ice cream? He said, Sure. She said, don't you think you ought to write that down, that you remember it? He said, no, I can remember that. She said, are you sure? She said, no, I can remember. Then she said, well, also, I'd like some strawberries on top of that ice cream. She said, you better write that down because I know you're going to forget. He said, no, I can remember that. You want a bowl of ice cream with strawberries? She replied, well, I'd also like a little whipped cream on the top of that. Now, you need to write that down. I know you're going to forget it. He was kind of irritated. He said, I don't need to write it down. I can remember that. He fumed off to the kitchen. After about 20 minutes, he returned from the kitchen. He handed her a plate of bacon and eggs. She looked at the moment, plate for a moment, and she looked up and said, I knew it. You forgot my toast. <laughs> so uh, you think about that, and you might get it at some point. It's been said, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Uh, David's people were a nation of slaves. That was Israel. They were a nation of slaves. Israel was only special because God chose them. That's why they were special. Because God chose them. 
They were God's people. There's a key phrase stated three times in verse 23 and 24 that they were designed to be God's own people. They weren't inherently beautiful people. They weren't elegant people. They weren't greater than any other nation. They were just plain, ordinary people. But God chose them. And the history of the Jews was the history of slaves. They avoided the plight of slavery because God chose them because of the goodness of God. David recognized that. He remembered the goodness of God. Now, if you go and study, and we've talked about this many times, and I could go for an hour right here. I won't. i got four minutes. But, you know, at some point when Israel finally denied God enough, who did the blessing fall upon? The Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? We are. <laughs> Israel, God's chosen people whom God delivered out of slavery. I, the Lord your God, am your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's Exodus, Exodus 20, verse 2. He said, teach your children about this. Remember all that I have done for you. Remember the blessings of God. Remember the deliverance of God. Remember the promises of God. But Israel forgot the goodness of God and forgot all that God had done for them. And because of that, they paid an ultimate price. In 586 B.C., they were exiles, they were refugees, and they were homeless people. Now, you know what God's promise is? They're going to be restored as God's people. The time of the Gentiles is going to end and run out. And the time of the tribulation is going to come. And during that time of tribulation, God is going to restore Israel to His chosen people, but they're going to have to go through that time of tribulation. Why? Because they forgot the goodness of God. They forgot all the blessings of God. They forgot all that God has done for them. Prayer is coming to God just as we are. It's recognizing God for who He is. It's recognizing how humble we come before God. And it's recognizing the greatness of God. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. And I want you to consider this morning your prayer life. Now I can't say as a church... I can't say you consider mine or your husband's or your wife's or your children. I want to ask you to consider your prayer life this morning. Boy, how great is that, that we have an opportunity to come before God and we come just as we are. Fall on our knees before God. And we recognize God's greatness as we come before Him. We don't look at ourselves. We don't recognize all that we have done for God. We recognize God's grace in that He called us just as He called Israel. He, he chose us. The Bible teaches us, folks, that none come to God unless the Holy Spirit draws them. The Bible teaches that we didn't choose God, but He chose us. Yet while we were sinners, He died for us, and He gave us life. You are God's chosen people. In your prayer life, do you recognize His greatness? Do you come before His throne humbly, recognize His grace?
Folks, do you remember his goodness? Billy Sundays was a great preacher of his past. He was a baseball player. He was headed down a, a road of destruction as we see so many athletes and others, not all, but so many get involved in alcohol and drugs. And God got a hold of him and turned him around. He was walking down the street one day and he saw a, a beggar laying in the gutters and he made this statement, but for the grace of God, there I be. But for the grace of God, there we be. I want to ask you, would you, would you remember God's goodness in your prayer? Would you remember the, the honor that it is to be a servant of God? You know, you, you don't serve the church, the pastor. You don't serve the committee chairman, but we have an opportunity to serve God through ministries of this church. And look at the life of David. His servant, God blessed him and his children and his children's children and his children's children on and on and on for the obedience of a servant who was a shepherd. Father, I pray this morning as we consider ourselves in you, Father, that we would surrender ourselves to you. Father, that we would come just as we are, that we would be obedient to you. Father, I pray today that as we consider our prayer life and we consider our relationship with you, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't neglect the opportunity we have to spend time in prayer. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't miss a chance to just sit in your presence in the quietness of the moment and to commune with you, our Father. Lord, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would lead us, that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, I pray if it just need to be some time spent at this altar, that we would know that it's a great time right now, that we would know that, that weekly we have opportunities just to come as we are, fall on our knees in your presence, and to pour out ourselves to you. Lord, I pray now as we have a time of invitation, I pray, Lord, that you would direct our thoughts, that you would direct our movements. And I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.